Well, I am so excited about uh, the whole idea that God has really uh, shined a light on our need to affect children in this area. And we're going to talk about that more and more as time goes, very specifically towards the beginning of the year. But uh, what I want to let you know is this, is that uh, Tim uh, uh, is going to be one of the leading people in, in gathering a team of people to affect uh, not only what we do here, but reaching out. And uh, when I was asking Tim to come up today, there was probably one thing that was on my mind more than any other. And that's this, dude, how is it that um, you and Jill were able to have the most gorgeous kids ever? How did, how did that happen? That's an easy answer. And it's beautiful women in the bloodline. Yep, that's it, yeah. It's not the men, it's the women. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's not me and you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's too true. All right. Um, hey, here's the thing. Uh, uh, a while back, Dan Pierce, one of our executive pastors, came to me and he said, Chuck, we're not being as effective with our children as we need to be. And uh, he said, I, I think I see what can make the, the difference. I think I can help us navigate to be more effective here and also reaching out. But he goes, uh, we're going to need to make some shifts. And so it was Dan's idea to have Tim take leadership in this area. And, and today is the beginning of a lot of different changes to make us more effective. Uh, if you're a parent today, you're going to be super excited about what's this one. Well, starting today, we're actually going to be starting uh, fast passes because um, if you've been with us, you noticed in the past uh, month or two, we've had a huge change to how we do check-in to more of a lanyard style uh, um, check-in like we do for VBS. Well, we got the idea from VBS and then we decided to uh, do a fast pass where you'll, for $5 per child, you'll actually buy your own family number and you'll buy your own lanyard and you'll never have to come to a check-in table again. You'll show up. You'll park, you'll take your kids straight to their rooms, not going to a check-in table, be able to get your coffee, come in and find a seat in uh, time without having to wait in any lines at all on a Sunday morning. Yeah. If you're here and you don't have children, you need to know I've had parents coming to me saying, Chuck, uh, I thought Crossroads didn't believe in purgatory. There is one. It's called children's check-in. And... uh, uh, so anyway, uh, uh, this whole new system is going to make life so much better. And by the way, safer for your kids because it has the allergies on it too. Is that right? Yeah. The, yeah. The children's uh, name tag will have their picture on it and it'll have actually any food allergy or any allergy that they uh, have so that we can actually best serve them and keep them out of uh, harm's way. Yeah, which is cool. Hey, another thing that's coming up very, very soon that every, whether you have a child or not, you can be a part of. And I've asked him to really let you know how you and I together can make a difference in the lives of kids in just a few days. So uh, every year we have our trunk and treasure on Halloween, uh, October 31st, and it's a great time. We get to have tons of uh, kids come, but more importantly, we have tons of kids from the community and families from the community come that don't attend here. So it's our chance to actually show them what Crossroads is all about. Well, over the past couple of years, we've always run to one issue, and that's always we run out of candy before we're actually over. And so uh, the first way you can actually get involved is out front or at any children's check-in area. Uh, you can drop off bags of candy that you want to donate for this event. And that way we won't run out of candy, and we'll tell the kids, hey, we're here to bless you. We'll tell the families, we, your uh, kids mean so much to us that we want to go out of our way to make sure that there's enough for all your children. And so that's the first way. The second way is actually to be the ones that distribute the candy by signing up outside or uh, emailing, emailing me, tim at crossroadschurch.com, and saying, hey, I want to decorate my trunk. 
I want to bring my car. I want to park out there. I want to decorate it, and I want to make sure that it's a great place that when kids come up that night, that it's fun, it's inviting. I'm going to be giving them candy and sing them to the dentist soon, and <laughs> just a great opportunity to tell kids, hey, we love you. Hey, this is a place that puts you first and makes sure that you're cared for and that we want, to know, we want you to know that this is somewhere you can come back to. Yeah, and so we have a passion to make it an incredible night. Let me tell you what we're going to do to make it happen. On Halloween weekend, we're going to move our Sunday night service to Saturday night at 5.30. So if you want to, even though you attend the morning, if you want to come Saturday night and be a part of that, we'll have the exact same worship service we have in the morning. Then Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we're going to kick off ministering to children in this community. So again, bring candy. We need lots of candy. The other thing, though, is if you would together actually choose to decorate a trunk. Park your car, decorate it up. Uh, you could do it as a family, you could do it as a community group, do it as a couple, do it individually, but, but make it extra special. And then we can start touching lives in amazing ways and embracing people on the campus. Go ahead. And if you have an RV, we have a few families that bring their RV and every year they've won the, uh, co- the decoration contest. So it's a big event. But if you have an RV, we also need RVs to be able to park out there because they get to actually do the biggest and best uh, decoration themes. Yep. But I'd like anybody with a Ford to beat the RV people this year. So, um, hey, one last thing I want to tell you, and we're going to pray for Tim and the children's ministry. Uh, From the time that Tim was little, we saw an anointing on his life. We really did. And uh, obviously prayed for him every day. And I've got to tell you, I could not be more proud of you. I, I want everyone here to know that. He is fulfilling what God's called him to be. He's an incredible husband. He's an amazing father. But, but he has a heart for ministry. And if you're not aware of it, Tim's been leading out a team, a wonderful team of people in our fifth and sixth grade ministry we call Impact. And he just got through teaching our fifth and sixth graders apologetics. Uh, the reason for God in a very deep way. And um, so our fifth and sixth graders are armed and dangerous right now. And you know what is today we're also doing a shift. There's a, a, the apprentices are leading worship for our children. Tim has Cody over right now speaking to him. Uh, we're going to be upping the game level there. And so I think you're going to notice some amazing things happening. But let's, let's pray together over that. Let's pray that we're the, the effective church we need to be. Let's lift him and the team up. Father, I genuinely am so proud of my son. And what a blessing he is in my life. And to see him bless the lives of others is uh, incredible. And I pray that you would anoint him and fill him and every single person who's a part of our children's ministry team. And that God, we would, we would reach those 27,900 children and beyond in this area. We want them to know your love. We want them to know your truth. And we want to do it way that God that honors you and blesses them. So please guide the leadership teams, guide what's happening. And I pray that we would be a church that cares in an amazing, loving way. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you, man. Love you too. All right. Turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We're talking about uh, uh, the whole idea of freedom. And, and I want you to grab that. Uh, Jesus said that, you know what, that there's a thief, John chapter 10, verse 10. There's a thief that's come to steal, to kill, and destroy but I, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. So right now, there, there's a, a percentage of you, hopefully it's the majority, that you would say, man, I am living the abundant life. I'm free. Because in John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, 
then you are truly disciples of mine and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, There's a lot of people though who are being ripped off. They're in bondage. They're not able to live the life that God wants them to live or experience the freedom he has for them. And, and the sad truth is many are even Christians, people that have come to know Christ, but his word, his truth hasn't been enacted in their life in a way that sets them free. And so while they should be experiencing this amazing life, they're not. And we see it happen time and time again, and God doesn't want that for us at all. And so that's what I want us to think about right now. Let's pray about it. Father, We ask right now your spirit would come and you would open our eyes to what your truth is. And I pray, Lord, that we're going to see people set free. We're going to do it because we do it according to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, we talked about just the idea of freedom and that that is found in having an intimate relationship with Christ and being committed to his word and living out that. Then we talked about the whole idea of addictive behavior. And here's what I'm going to say over and over again. God's word is true and it works. The life that Jesus has called you to really can happen for you. And when we live our lives according to his truth, there's nothing that can hold you back. You can be set free. And then we talked about the idea of one of the addictive behaviors last week is obesity. And we're an obese society and people are being pressed into a mold. And the danger we have is that we might look at other people around us and say, well, I'm not as bad off as they are. Not realizing we're a society in bondage to obesity and just literally feeding our appetite and not having the health we should have. Even people that we might think are thin are are being racked with problems today uh, based on the way that our society is. And it's hurting people. But if we live our lives according to God's word and the truths we looked at, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I know of a a pastor, I don't know if you heard about who, who decided he wasn't going to live his life that way. He was going to try to spiritualize a whole different mindset uh, to being free from that. And so what happened is he would just eat whatever he wanted. And one night he was out for dinner with some people in his church and he ordered the appetizer and he ate the bread that came and then he ordered a huge meal and he wanted a big dessert and even asked the dessert be brought with the meal. So all of a sudden, all this food is just sitting on the table and everyone's looking at him thinking, what are you doing? And he said, let's pray. And he stood up at the table in this restaurant. He said, oh Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus, you'd rebuke the calories in this food. And I pray you'd cast them out so we can eat the food all we want and have it not affect us at all. Amen. And they all looked at him a little stunned. And one of the ladies leaned over and said, Pastor, Pastor, you don't understand. These kind only come out with prayer and fasting. (laughs) But see, sometimes what we don't understand is it actually does come down to self-discipline. Second Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear or bondage, but, but one of power and love and self-control. And he wants to enact that power in our life in a way that you and I can be set free and begin to live the life we were always meant to live. Uh, very often, though, we find ourselves just going out and doing whatever. I don't know if you heard about a man who was standing in a locker room and, and a cell phone began to ring and he looked and looked for it and he picked it up and, and it was very bad reception. Uh, but what he could hear was a woman on the other side and, and she said, honey, and he goes, oh yeah, yeah, it's me. She said, well, I, I, I want you to know that, that I know you said we shouldn't, but I was driving by the Mercedes dealer and I was looking at the car and we really need a new car and, and it's so reliable and, and they're willing to make a deal and it's a little bit more than we said we could afford a month, but it would be a safer car. It would last longer. And he goes, you know what? I want you in a safer car. You just go ahead and sign for it. You take that car. 
a, she goes, really? Really? He said, yeah, yeah, you, you know what? You need it. And by the way, make sure and get the GPS system because I don't want you to be lost out there. And I'd like you to have the Bose stereo system added onto it. She's like, you're a kid. He goes, no, 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 just go ahead and you sign for it. And that'd be great. She goes, well, well, if we get the car, are we going to be able to get the house? He said, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. You get that car and you drive straight over the realtor and you make an offer on that house. As a matter of fact, you give them $10,000 more than what they're asking. So we get that house. She goes, you're kidding. And he goes, no. And by the way, after you get the house, why don't you go to Nordstrom's? You need two new outfits. I'd just like you to pick it out. And then tonight we'll go out to dinner. And she goes, oh my, you're the best ever. Oh, you're the best ever. And she hung up and he said, anybody know whose cell phone this is? You know what? There's a voice out there saying, bye, 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 bye. Isn't there? You guys already know this. We all know it. We're the most indebted society that's ever existed in the history of the United States. As a matter of fact, we have the lowest savings rate and the highest debt rate of anybody. The average American is one paycheck from disaster. And the scary thing is, Many people, many, many, many are living out that disaster now. It's come falling apart and they're being hurt and obliterated. Why? Because Jesus said there's a thief that's come to steal, to kill and destroy. And we're not thinking about what it means to live correctly. We're not thinking about what it means to live the kind of life we're supposed to. Let me tell you how personal this gets. Survey after survey has shown that financial despair is either number one, two, or three, depending when the survey is taken, of the reason that couples divorce. It's usually number one or two of the reason couples fight. We're having marriages destroyed today. We're having families wrecked today because of financial stress of a burden they were never, ever meant to bear. And it's usually just not listening to the things that God says about doing it his way, which we're going to talk about today and next week. And here's what I want you to not miss. You can be set free from this. No matter how bad it is right now, you can be set free. No matter where you are right now, you could choose to live a life where God would begin to guide you in a way that's incredible. And this means that if you're here and you're a family today, you're going to find yourself set free from the bondage. If you're here, you're going to find yourself living a different life. But what we have to choose to do is not live the way the world lives. We've got to choose this thing called delayed gratification and the idea of saying no to self so we might live to a higher calling. And when we don't do that, it gets really, really scary. But don't miss it. If we are living like the world around us, it will not lead to the kind of freedom God wants you to have. Listen to what Ben Stein said about the average American. Ben Stein, as an economist, said this. He said, it is very, very scary, the situation in terms of what Americans do not know about economics. It's actually childlike. Like a child who thinks his parents are always going to bail them out. But at some point, they aren't. Now, why did he say that? Are you ready? Because we're so indebted. We're ready because Ben Stein pointed out, the average American today believes that when they retire, they're going to live at the same level living standard they're living at now, yet they're not saving for retirement. And that's why he said it's childlike. We think the government's going to bail us out. You know what? We don't want to depend on the government. I'm not being anti-government. We need to take responsibility ourselves and live according to the word of God. 
And you know what? We think somebody's going to rush in and make sure we're taken care of. It's not going to happen. As a matter of fact, if you think things are bad right now, if Jesus doesn't come back, as my generation begins to retire, we are going to devastate this country. Because baby boomers did not save. And we're expecting the, the finances of our country to somehow rescue us. And when the number of people my age hit the Medicare system, we're going to obliterate it. And you know why? Because we didn't save. And, 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 and what I want to tell you is if you think, well, somehow I'll get taken care of. And you don't live according to wise ways, especially according to God's word. Then we're going to get in trouble. Uh, um, Dan Houston, the vice president of the principal financial group said this. He goes, somebody better get loud about this in a hurry. Savings for retirement's the number one issue. So many Americans have let that slip, replacing with plasma televisions, new cars, houses two-thirds bigger than what we need. He said, we just keep buying and buying and buying and not realizing that the payoff's going to come. Matter of fact, another study I read said that the average indebted American can't remember what they charged. Yet they're still paying for it five years later. Now, God teaches a different way. And God warns us something. He doesn't want you in bondage. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. The rich rules over the poor. You know, I I think sometimes we don't realize Moses is crying out again. Let my people go. Let my people go. But we're in bondage to banks. We're in bondage to credit cards. We're in bondage to car companies. We're in bondage in those moments. And and you know what? I got to tell you, me too. I'm not standing here trying to berate anybody. I look in the mirror when I do this study and I say, God, why have I been so slow to realize your truth is truth? And it works. And I need to live that way. And you know what? Is is lots of decisions we end up not being able to make in our life is because we're in trouble. Because we're in bondage. Some are in more bondage than others. Some are more trouble than others. But it doesn't matter. When you're enslaved, you're enslaved. And God doesn't want you to be. And we need to understand it. We need to understand there is a different way. Uh, uh, When the economy turned three years ago, I've watched some really smart, good people get devastated. One was a man who was a a vice president of a very large company. And uh, what happened is as he and the other people began to try to turn their money back into the company to keep it afloat, they had 700 employees that went down to 400 employees, that went down to 200 employees, that went down to 12 employees. And finally, even he was lost. And by the time it happened, he lost his home, which was a very large, nice home. He had to either turn back into the bank or sell off the toys. And uh, you know what is so interesting about it is not too long ago, I was talking with him. He said, Chuck, I got to tell you, when all this started happening, I felt like I lost everything. But I want to tell you, that's not true. Today, I've never had more. Do you realize we're going to be fine? But not only that, We're at a place right now that if God calls us to go do ministry, we can do it. Three years ago, I couldn't. Three years ago, I was trapped. He says, as a matter of fact, you're not going to see me for the next year. Because we're able right now to answer a call to go touch the lives of people in the name of Christ. And we can do it for the next year because we did it right. And now we have everything. I talked to another man today who told me the same things happened. And now he's able to go do things he could never have done before. And we need to understand that's the kind of freedom that God wants you to have. But the problem is too many of us are under bondage. So let me give you a test to ask this question. Are you under bondage? Or are you living the life God has for you? So ready? Question number one. 
Are you right now giving a full tithe to God and giving generous offerings to him based on how he's blessing you? And are you free to do that? Are you free? The first 10% tithe means 10%. You're just giving it to God joyfully. And then on top of that, you're giving other generous offerings to God because he just keeps blessing you. If not, you're not financially free. How about this? When someone's in need, can you immediately help meet their need? Or would it put you in trouble? Or do you stand there saying these words? Oh, I wish I could. I wish I could help. Or are you living your life in such a way you can meet the needs of someone around you? You know what? If you can't or I can't, then guess what? We're in financial bondage. And we're not living our life the way God wants us to. How about this one? Now, don't miss this. Are you experiencing the things that you're dreaming of? Are you making dreams come true? Because while God calls for us to give to him generously and God calls for us to help others, are you ready for this? God wants you to have the dreams of your lives fulfilled. Now, where am I going with this? Like if you have a dream of going to Israel, why can't you go? Why can't you plan out maybe six months, a year ahead of time and, and without going into debt, go to Israel and experience the Holy Land in an incredible way? Why can't you see this world that belongs to our father? Do you know what? Pam and I, uh, uh, every time we start talking about doing anything, a huge part of us is we want to take our kids and our grandkids and we want to share in those moments. Do you know what? God wants to share in that moment with you too. He wants to have you stand in the Amazon jungle, many of you. I got to do that. I, I had just done a quiet time and I was all by myself. And you know what it's like to be in the Amazon that my father, our father in heaven created and to stand there. And I set down my Bible and I started talking with him and raising my hand. Since no one else was around, I sang to the top of my lungs. <laughs> if someone else was around, they would have hated it. But I got to experience my father's world. I got to stand on a glacier in Alaska and see bald eagles fly by. You know why? Because God wants us to experience his world. I got to be at the Turnigan Arm and watch beluga whales swimming. God wants you to experience those things. Why are we not experiencing it? You know why most of us aren't? Because our father who wants to have us experience those kinds of things is calling us out of bondage and we're not listening. And if you can't go do those things, I was talking to someone just recently and they said, ma'am, our dream is to float down the canals of France. I said, then go do it. Oh, we never could do that. Why not? Why not? I'm not saying in the moment, but if we're so trapped that we can't do it because of a car, because of a TV, because of a house we couldn't afford, something's wrong. And we need to understand God's called for you to go live an amazing life. That's incredible. How about this? Can you retire freely or are you on a path to be able to? A very real plan that you're going to enact in your life. If not, you're trapped. Or how about this one? Are you truly enjoying what you have? Or do what you have actually control you? Does it own you? Does it have you? And too many people today, that's our problem. That's what has us. And I hear people say, well, I'd go on a mission trip, but I can't right now. I would go touch lives of orphans in Africa, but I can't right now. And then when I start asking them why, it's because they're in financial bondage. And then very often I'll say to them, you're in bondage. And they'll go, no, we're not. No, no, we're fine. You know what? In John 8, 31 and 32, when Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you are truly disciples of mine and you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. Do you know what comes next? The Jews, the Pharisees looked at Jesus and said, we're not in bondage and we've never been in bondage to anyone. 
At that moment, they were in bondage to the Roman government. At that moment, Herod was an evil king making their lives literal hell. They were in bondage to him. At that moment, they were taxed beyond measure. At that moment, you couldn't travel freely wherever you wanted to. And they dared to look Jesus in the eye and say, we're not in bondage. How many of us are doing that to the Lord today? No, we're not in bondage. I'm free. I'm in a free country, but yet we've chosen bondage. And God doesn't want that for you. And he doesn't want it for me. And the good news is there's a way out. Now, let me say this clearly. Please don't miss this. It's not about being materialistic. It's about being free. It's not about the idea that you have to have a bigger house. I I mean, if you do, praise God and we'd love to come over. But, you know, that's not what we're talking about. It's about being free. God wants you to be free. And listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes 5.12. Solomon. Solomon was one of the wisest men who ever lived. Jesus would be the wisest. Solomon would be next. Listen to what he says in Ecclesiastes 5.12. The sleep of the working man is pleasant. Whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich man does not allow him to sleep. He says there's this one man. He's doing his job, doing his work, and he's able to sleep at night and love life. The other one, something's got him, even though he appears rich. And in verses 18 to 20, it says, here's what I've seen to be good and fitting. Now, I want to stop there. Solomon said, here's what's good. Here's what's fitting. To eat, to drink, to enjoy oneself and all of one's labors in which he toils under the sun during the few years of his life, which God has given him. For this is his reward. To eat, drink, and to enjoy your labor, to enjoy your job. Verse 19, furthermore, as for the man to whom God has given riches and wealth, he has empowered him to eat from them and to receive his reward and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God, for he will not often consider the years of his life because God keeps him occupied with the gladness of his heart. Let me read that last part to you. Here's what God says. If we're living our lives the way we should economically, it says we will not often, often, verse 20, not often consider the years of our lives because Because why? Because God keeps us occupied with the gladness of our heart. Now, now here's the thing. Jesus said, are we enslaved? Are we dying and perishing? Are we having the abundant life? And Solomon says, when I and you, when you and I are living our lives the way we should, he keeps us occupied with the gladness of our heart. Now, what does that mean? Well, well, the other day, what happened is, uh, actually it was yesterday, uh, something occurred that kind of helped illustrate this for me. Um, I was driving out from the 71 to get on the 91, and, and I got stuck. I think many of you must have gotten stuck too. And it took me nearly an hour to drive from the 71 to my off-ramp here. I'm sitting there in that car, and I am so upset. I think I can't stand this every moment. It seemed like it was hour after hour. Every minute was torture. How many of you guys go, Hey, that's my life every day. Chuck, I'm a commuter. No, no, seriously. Right. And so I'm just going crazy. And I felt like, man, my life was draining from me and I felt trapped on the 91 freeway. You ready for this? A few weeks ago, Pam and I get in the car in Phoenix, Arizona and drive five and a half hours. And it's a joy. I mean, we're having the time of our lives. And as a matter of fact, it just flew by. That five and a half hours was incredibly fun. It was like paradise on earth. That hour on the 91 was hell. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, I, and I, I mean, yeah, anyway. And here's the difference. Here's the difference. You ready? I didn't feel trapped when I was on the, driving down the 10 with Pam. Matter of fact, the other difference is I was driving through the desert with a hot babe. <laughs> but anyway... 
When I'm walking with God intimately, life flies by. If you're living the life you're meant to live, it flies by. And you're occupied with gladness and joy like you can't believe. Proverbs 16, 11 says that God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. And when you're in the presence of God, living your life according to his word, all of a sudden you get up in the morning and how do you fit all the good things in? How do you enjoy it? All of a sudden the day goes by and you're going, whoa, that flew by and the week flies by. And by the way, the way it is for most of us, summer flew by and Christmas is almost here and life couldn't be better. And that's the kind of life you're meant to live. That's the kind of life you're meant to live. But if you're going to do it, you got to do it according to the wisdom of God. You got to say, I'm going to continue in his word. And then I'm going to live the abundant life. I do want to say not easy. Everybody should go through times of testing and trial. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you, but that's what life always encounters. But here's the thing. Overall, the overarching message of life is gladness and joy and peace that passes understanding. Even in the midst of the tough times. And when you hit the tough times, you ought to flourish. Joseph was that way. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 41. Joseph was that way. Remember, Joseph was the favored son of Jacob. And he was so favored, his brothers became jealous and turned on him. And they beat him and threw him into a pit. They were threatening to kill him. And then he was sold into slavery. He became a menial slave, but he stayed faithful to God and he refused to curse God. As a matter of fact, it's amazing how much he just honored God. And God caused that situation to be one he rose up in till he ruled all of Potiphar's estate. And he was a man of great importance and great knowledge. Then Potiphar's wife actually began to try to seduce him. And he said, no, I cannot do such a great evil in the eyes of the Lord my God. And so what happened is she accused him of rape and he was thrown into prison and tortured. They beat him and beat him and beat him. But in prison, he learned even more about managing. And he rose up and began to run the prison, even though he was a prisoner. And so he learned economics and he learned government affairs. And God used those two moments to mold him into the man he would be. And then Pharaoh had a dream. And this is where we're going. I want you to understand the economic wisdom of Joseph. Pharaoh had a dream. And he asked for an interpretation of the dream. And someone said, there's a man named Joseph who's in prison and he has been gifted by God to understand dreams. And so Joseph comes and Pharaoh said, I had a dream. And in my dream, I saw seven beautiful cattle and seven gaunt cattle and the seven gaunt ugly cows ate the, the, the beautiful cows. And then I had another dream where I saw seven beautiful ears of corn and seven ugly ears of corn and the seven ugly ears of corn ate the healthy ones. And he said, what's it mean? Now, real quick parentheses. Joseph said to him, because you had the dream twice, it is surely from the Lord our God. By the way, we won't get into it now, but that's called the law of second mention. We look for that in the scripture. But he said, because you had the dream twice, I want to tell you this is truly from the Lord. And it's really, truly going to happen. And, and I want you to tell you what you need to do. You need to uh, uh, literally start, uh, find somebody to oversee the economics of our country. You need to raise the taxes to 20% and you need to set it aside during the seven good years because what's going to follow are seven bad years. Now I want you to grab that. He said, what your dream told you is that God is warning you that it's going to be a cycle. Seven good years followed by seven bad years. Uh, uh, and, and here's where I'm going with this. Every economy has cycles. There's, it's not always going to be good times. 
And now until Jesus comes back, we're going to have good times and tough times. Right now we have a tough time. Some of you might act like, is it ever going to end? I remember in the, the, the early 90s when we had the bad time there. Do you remember that, anybody? And what happened is the, uh, the housing prices fell and there was high unemployment. Not as bad as now. But I remember sitting with my grandmother. We called her Granny. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know how we're going to make it. And she looked at me. She said, Chuck, I lived through the depression. This is nothing. She goes, but it always comes back. And if you live your life right, the next time it falls, you'll actually flourish. You'll do better than ever. That's what happened with Joseph. Here's the economic wisdom of Joseph. Listen to what it is. In Genesis 41, 33. Now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. And let Pharaoh take action. In other words, take action, take steps to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let them exact a fifth or 20% produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Now, now, by the way, what's that mean? In the good years, if we're wise, we'll save 20% of everything we get. You give the first 10% to God, but when it's in the good years, you save at least 20%. Now, I want to be honest, Pam and I have not been doing that, but we want to get there. And I want to say this, that right now is probably the tough time. So you should try to save at least 10%. But when the good times come and you're putting 20% away, why? Because there'll be a bad time. Listen to what it says here. Verse 35, let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it. Let the food become a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which will occur in the land of Egypt. So the land will not perish during the famine. Now, now, what are we getting at? The wisdom of Joseph is this. In the good times, you and I ought to save up 20%. And then when the bad times come, guess what? You can do what Joseph did. Because when the bad times came, Egypt went on sale and Joseph bought it up. Do you know what? Ready for this? Today, America's on sale. And if you and I had saved our 20%, we're ready to buy. Have you noticed how many people from other countries are coming to buy up our land? Because America's on sale. Now, if Jesus tarries, I'd rather him for to come back. If Jesus tarries, we're going to have another good time followed by another bad time. And if you and I live right, we'll be ready in those moments to buy when America goes on sale. The first time I heard that statement was from Wes Beavis. Many of you know Wes. Wes told me that a shocking moment in his life came when his father, whom he loved, just died. Just dropped dead. And he found him on his kitchen floor, but the the devastation of losing his dad was followed by finding out his dad had no savings and that his mother now had no one to take care of her and she was even going to lose the home she lived in. And even though his father was a very godly man, he didn't handle his money according to biblical standards. And he thought, my mom is going to pay the price for this. And so he began to take care of his mom, but he made a commitment that he would live his life according to God's principles of scripture when it comes to economics. And so eventually God called Wes and his wife to come to the United States. And now many of you know they live here. And he is literally debt free. The house he lives in, everything. And you know what? When the economy turned, he was sitting in my office. And I said, how you doing? He goes, Chuck, I couldn't be doing better. America's on sale and I'm out buying. And I sat there thought, oh, yeah. And you're going to buy from me because I can't do it. Do you know what? It's going to happen. And when it does, you're going to flourish. Here's what I'm saying. When you're not in bondage, in the good times, you can celebrate. And in the bad times, you can flourish. But that's not just economically. It's in every area of your life. 
When, when you are living the life God wants you to, you're physically free. You're emotionally free. You're spiritually free. And you can find yourself in the good times celebrating in the tough times. The power of God is with you to be the, in your life in such a way that he becomes the God of all comfort. Now, you might be saying, Chuck, why are we talking about this? Well, let me just make it real clear because there's a problem. There's a problem when Christians aren't free. And there's a solution. And no matter how bad a situation you're in right now, if you would truly turn to God, you can be free. If it's economics, you can be free. I want to promise you that. God's word works. Uh, If it's addictive behavior, you can be free. If it's depression, you can be free. If it's fear, you can be free. If it's you're just living a life of insignificance and you don't know why you matter, you can be free. And God is wanting to give you that abundant life. He wants to help you start rising up. He wants you to be more than a conqueror. Now, I'm not talking health, wealth, gospel. I'm talking about living a life with a father who loves you that's awesome. And you and I can be free if we know the truth and that truth will set us free. You might say, Chuck, why? Why when you come to church do we deal with the topic like eating? Well, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Why does God care about what you eat? Because he's your dad. He wants to be your dad and he wants you to to do well. Why does God care about your economics? Guess what? He's your dad. Uh, Not too long ago, I'm out with Tim and Jill. And I said, how are you guys doing? They said, great. I always want to do a checkup. And I don't know if they enjoy it. I'm still going to do it. I said, tell me how you're doing financially. And they said, we're doing really good. By the way, I keep an eye on that like crazy. I really do. I, without trying to evade their privacy, I do. And not too long ago, what happened is their car broke down and it was going to cost $700 to fix it. And I thought, okay, I'm going to listen to what's going on. And I'm praying, Lord, if they need help, man, I'm rushing in. I'm not having my grandson ride in a car or my granddaughter that's not safe. And so, you know, I'm ready to rush in there and be at their aid. But I didn't just do that immediately. I, I, I was listening. And all of a sudden, in the midst of one of the conversations, they tell me the car is going to cost 700 And I'm like, really? And they go, oh, yeah, we're ready to pay for it. Because they had an envelope for that. And I went, oh. Now, I, I probably shouldn't share this because now they won't be so quick to tell me. Because I'll go pay. And uh, they can keep their envelope. L- let me say this. Are you, I hope you're tracking. Why would I want to do that for my son and my daughter-in-law? Because I love them. And, and I think very often, sometimes I want to bless them, but more often I want to teach them so they can live their life on their own, right? Why does God have these truths in scripture? Because he's your dad and he loves you. It's not to make you feel bad. It's to cause you to rise up. And, and here's the point. It's not just money. It's everything. Are you living a life? Here's the question that is so incredible that it's flying by and you can't fit all the fun in. You, you just are going, I, I, there's so much I want to do. And it's, so, is that your life that you're occupied with the gladness of your heart? And if not, let me tell you, that's what he wants for you. And, and if you're not aware of it, he wants you to do it with him according to his word. In an intimate relationship with God, where you live your life according to his word. And how do you enter that relationship? Well, you say yes to him. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would open up to me, I would come into him. So how do you open up? You say to him in prayer, you pray a prayer and say, God, I want you. Today, whether it's economics, 
whether it's life, whether it's hurt, whether it's pain, whether it's just you know you, you don't have a relationship with God. You might believe in Him, but you don't have the relationship. I'm going to ask you today that if you want that, in a moment, we're going to go to prayer. And I'm going to stop and pray and ask anybody who wants to either commit their life to the Lord or recommit their life to the Lord to pray that prayer with me. Maybe you've been hurt by others and you need to be set free. Maybe you've done some things that you should never have done. Guess what? You need to be set free. Jesus loves you and cares about you. And you've never, ever committed a sin that is more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ to set you free. How do you access that? You open up to him. Maybe you're a Christian and you need to come home. I'm going to invite you to do that right now. Let's pray. Father, I pray and I ask that we would be a church that would literally be your disciples and we would continue in your word and we would know the truth and we'd love the truth and crave the truth and in that we'd find freedom. A freedom not just from your word. It gets even better. It's from your word and live with you. May we be the people who do that. Father, for those who are hurting and in bondage today to anything, I pray, God, for them right now. And I pray they would know that you love them. And I pray you'd begin to touch them. And Lord, if there's some people here today who need to open up to you for the first time, I pray you'd stir in their hearts. And Father, if there's some Christians here who need to come home, they need to be back where they used to be. They need a revival. Lord, I pray they would let you do it. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. And if you're right with God, I want to ask you to do this. Would you really pray for anybody who needs to commit their life or recommit their life to Christ right now? But I'm going to lead that prayer. And if right now you want to open up your heart to him, I'm going to give you a chance to do it. If you want to say it for the first time or come back, I'm just going to ask you right where you're sitting to whisper this prayer with me. He loves you. He wants you. Do you want him? If so, say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurt and my pain, to free me from my fear. You died to make me alive, to make me new and to make me yours. And I say, yes, I want this and I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit and help me be who you created me to be and to live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, praise God for you. Praise God for you.